0: To
1: be a street cop? Uh-huh. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm here with Jeremy Davidson, who's going to share his story of survival. Uh, we've been going on a kick as we approach our October 4th through the 8th, 2021 Street Cop Training Conference, where we're giving away Medal of Valor honors uh, awards, Street Cop Survivor Awards. To all of those police officers who were fortunate enough to go through a traumatic incident and then, you know, make it and tell their story and try to provide value to others who may experience something similar. So without further ado, Jeremy Davidson, thanks for being here today, man.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for having me.
1: So let me ask you a question. Um, tell me about how your career started, where you're from, and the details you can get into, and uh, then we'll start moving towards the incident that evening.
0: But, uh, I'm 33, about to turn 34. Uh, I actually spent six years in the Air Force, prior to becoming a police officer. I was a F-22 mechanic on the, or F-22 mechanic. Um, loved it, went some cool places, but decided to, it was time to get out. Family reasons, wise. So, come back home, got a small job, and always, always liked the uniform and the, the structure of the military. So, figured I'd give it a try and. <clears throat> got hired on about a year later. So I'm just past my six years in law enforcement now. All right. And where are where are you located? Uh, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. All right. It's so, better, better geographical. It's about an hour from Nashville or north, northeast of Nashville.
1: North but that's West. cool. So you get to slide down, go to Smashville once in a while.
0: Every, every now and then. So,
1: that's good. Yeah. I mean, if I lived an hour away, that's probably where I'd be going, especially if I had <laughs> Kentucky. As an option, I can't imagine there's much to do in Kentucky.
0: Well, other than Louisville and Lexington, no, there's not, not a whole lot. So,
1: Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. Um, so let's go over the incident into whatever detail you can provide. And, you know, I ask this question to everybody when I do these interviews like this. The day of the incident that occurred, was there any strange feeling you had, any kind of weird energy in the universe that you recall prior to this occurring?
0: No, uh, it was our typical night shift. and I mean, it was wintertime in February, so it was kind of cold. Uh, and other than that, it, I mean, it felt like any other night we were trying to get out and have some fun and try to get into what we could and try to catch catch the bad guys that we could. And what are some of the, like, tell me, so how'd this go? Why don't you start telling the story
1: of how this incident unfolded?
0: So how it all began, we were, uh, we were tasked to watch a, a dope house, and um, I've always been the one to, hey, I'll hide in the bushes. I'll call it out, call what I see. <clears throat> so I was actually hiding out by this house, just keeping an eye out. And uh, another officer come across the radio and asked if we had anybody close to Walmart. And we were all over on the other side of town. Um, and the dispatch called out that there was a carjacking in progress. So everybody who's in their cars started heading that way towards Walmart, which is about it's about 10 minutes across town. So I run back to my, my patrol car and start heading that direction as well. Um, I was probably fourth or fifth in the area. So, you know, we had a vehicle description that we were looking for, uh, actually the two of them. So <clears throat> me and another officer, we start circulating the area looking for the vehicles and couldn't find them. Uh, so we started answering calls for service while everybody handled the scene there at the Walmart. And uh about an hour had passed. And we were just me and the other officer driving around and happened to drive past the area where a few nights prior we had gotten out with the vehicle and some drug activity going on back there. And <clears throat> happened to drive past the same area and noticed that there was headlights back there. So I got on the, the radio to my other officer and I was like, hey, I got a vehicle back here again. I'm gonna check it out. So I go up the road a little bit, give him a little bit of time to start heading that way and turn around. Well, as I'm pulling into the parking lot, the vehicle that I saw back there was leaving. And uh, we had a vehicle description of a black Dodge Ram pickup truck. And then there was a white Tahoe that was stolen as well. Uh, White Tahoe is what was stolen. So as I'm pulling in, this black pickup truck's pulling out. And I said, there's, there's no way, there's no way that this is our vehicle. I figured they hit this because we're about 10 minutes from the state line. We figured they hit Tennessee and they were gone. So I let him know. I was like, Hey, you know, I got a black pickup truck here. I'm going to try to initiate traffic stop. <laughs> so we pull out on the main road and, uh, you know, I get behind him try to get close to read the plate. He turns off. I'll go ahead and light him up. So what, wasn't exactly sure, 100% sure that this was the vehicle, but I kind of had that feeling at this point. Um, and by the way,
1: just so we're clear, I mean, you had enough reasonable suspicion at this point. You had a car matching description. Um, RAS is the prerequisite under Delaware Delaware V. Prowse 1979 to make a traffic stop. So you had what you needed to at least stop and inquire.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had mm-hmm. enough I had enough with them just being in the area. You know, it was about 1.30 in the morning at a, uh, moving company and they were the only vehicles back there. So oh yeah, I, I was good all day with that. So <clears throat> was your <clears throat>
1: adrenaline pumping up at this time? Were you like, what were you feeling like?
0: It, it was. And I think that was about the time where I started getting, you know, that, that weirder feeling like, cause you know, like I said, you know, I was like, there's no way that this could be the vehicle. There's no way.
1: Vulnerability. Holy shit. This was an armed car jacking, things like that. Mm-hmm. So
0: I turn on my lights, try to make a traffic stop and the vehicle starts taking off. I was like, well, you know, here we go. They're, they're taking off on me, not stopping. And probably 10 to 15 seconds later, the other officer that was, you know, coming to me, he comes across the radio saying that he's got the stolen Tahoe going the opposite direction. So I'm trying to stop the truck and he's trying to stop the Tahoe. We're in two pursuits at the same time with these armed subjects. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just a mess from the get-go. And, and you know... We're, were you guys trying to call
1: pursuits in the same channel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've only okay. got so I remember channel. I had, a, I had a pursuit one time. We had actual dual pursuits going on at the same time. And um, we called one on channel two, one on channel one, you know, and allocated our, our troops or whoever we had to to whatever. I just throw that in there as a piece of advice that if you get yourself into a situation like that, cooler heads prevail and try to use alternate channels if you can during a, it. During a, that's just a tidbit of advice. It worked out really well for us when mm-hmm. we switched channels. We had, I mean, we had three channels we could use. <laughs> it was highly unlikely we'd ever had to use more than two channels. But mm-hmm. there have been multiple occasions at my agency's history where there were two pursuits going on at the same time. Yeah. So.
0: And with us being a smaller agency, um, I think we're slotted to have 75 sworn. We've probably got and we're between 60 and 62 officers right now. So we're wow. smaller. And they, they've only got the one channel for us. So,
1: Yeah, uh, gotta work what you got, right? You know, and of course, it always comes down to, oh, now something bad happened. Now we'll make a change so it doesn't happen again. I don't know why agencies have to wait till something bad happens to implement change or training. It's just, um, you know, again, I don't want to go on a tear here. This is your story. This is your time. But I say this because I know we have a lot of people listening to this podcast and there are people of influence who have to start to proactively understand that you've got to, you've got to implement this shit before it happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to foresee what could happen. Um, But I mean, you never know And this, like I said, with this agency, as long as I've been here, we've never really had anything crazy to have two channels. But I mean, like you said, you never know. So, right. Um, but anyway, so my other officer, he's getting in a pursuit going the opposite way. And I think we had maybe maybe six officers on duty that night, and everybody else was still tied up at the Walmart. And by this time, we were back across town. Are there so, other
1: agencies you can call for mutual aid?
0: We have uh, our county units, and then we have KSP, Kentucky State Police, that they, they have a couple. But our county, they're they're pretty small. Man as well. I think they had maybe two or three out. So were they coming. They were are they coming towards you guys at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. That's good. Yep. So I'm pursuing the, the black pickup truck, and my other officer is pursuing the uh, the stolen Tahoe, and we're both going opposite directions. So you know we're trying to coordinate on who needs to go where with county and everybody. Um, we're going down one of our one of our main thoroughfares. And uh, at this point, I still haven't gotten the tag out to find out, okay, so they arrived in this pickup truck, and then they stole Tahoe. We need to find out who belong, who owns this pickup truck. Um, we get up this hill, and one of the uh, sheriff's deputies had gotten to the, the area where I was, and he had set up spike strips. Uh, vehicle I'm pursuing runs over to spike strips, and then they flip up and then they hit my cruiser and i was like man oh, i'm shit. out i'm out uh moved my steering wheel back and forth and realized that you know i still had full steering but i seen that the, the truck that i was chasing was uh starting to slow down so i was like all right you know we got this one Um uh, as i get closer i start radioing out to dispatch over the uh the channel of the tag so this way we could at least get something going um uh, wasn't no sooner than i got the tag out that I just hear and see gunfire coming from the back glass of this truck. Uh, Kind of sounded like someone was just chucking rocks at me, just tick, 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 tick. Uh, And ironically enough, they were shooting through the back glass, not out the side window. So, you know, we were probably rolling still about 40 some mile an hour at this point. Uh, One of the rounds come through the windshield Uh, hit me in my left arm at that point i was like i need to get offline i need to move so i turned to uh turn to the left and hit that ditch hit a ditch and start to uh, as i'm turning another round comes through the side glass and then grazes me in the back of the head Uh, i was like man i need to get out the seat this seat is a death trap so i get out the seat and go around the backside of my cruiser and he's gone i was like where'd he go this isn't a dream where'd he go uh deputy rolled up and he's like, hey, where'd he go? Where'd he go? I said, he he was still went that way. I was like, but you need to give me the hospital. And um, did you have a tourniquet? I did. I keep uh, one in each one of my cargo pockets. Um, as, soon as, as soon as I rolled out of my car and I seen that he was gone, you know, that's when I started, you know, self-care. Looked down at my arm. I was like, well, that's pretty high. It's not bleeding too bad. I was like, I think we're good. on not needing the tourniquet there. Um, but I remember I had a beanie on because like I said, it was February. And I felt the back of my head, and I looked down at my hand, and it was just covered in blood. And I was like, well, "I don't know the severity of this." So I take my beanie off, and I apply pressure, and, and I told the deputy, "I was like, they went that way." I was like, "Would you need to give me the hospital?" He's like, "What?" I was like, "I've been hit. You need to give me the hospital." So he throws me in the car, and we get up to the hospital. And <clears throat> I mean, from there, you know, our agencies handle business to to locate these people. So, okay,
1: good. Um, what was going through your head? Did you think you were actually hit in the back of the head?
0: Yeah, uh, the way I explain it to people is, you know, growing up, when I was growing up in like elementary school, middle school, we had those hard dodgeballs. Yeah. You know, everybody tried to beat me in the head with those dodgeballs. And that's almost what it felt like, was like someone had threw one of those hard dodgeballs at the side of my head.
1: Man. What kind of round?
0: Uh, five, five, six.
1: Jesus Christ. I mean, how close you were to that thing actually entering, I mean wow you know just like the like the odds of that catching grazing wound you know did it actually hit your skull at all
0: i think it they kind of bounced off i had a pretty good uh, uh skin tear and i think that's where all the blood was coming from but you know they did the, the scans and everything and then took me out to nashville to just monitor and make sure everything was good but yeah, you know
1: brain swelling things like that you took a hard impact to the brain you know they're gonna keep an eye on that i've actually seen pressure rods. you put people's heads it's pretty wild stuff yeah um so uh he gets into the hospital i guess you went to a local hospital did they not have the ability you know the wound on your arm did they seem like they had the ability to care for that did they want to get you to a trauma center
0: uh, the wound on my arm was actually uh it was kind of i mean i'll show you it was a little bit through and through. I don't know if you can see it. Did it go right to the other side? Yep. Just right through. So it's right there on the edge. So I fared well on that one too. You know, no physical therapy. Um, Got a great the, story. The hospital, yeah. The hospital does have the means for it, but when anytime it comes to head trauma, they like to fly us out to, to Nashville or get us to Nashville.
1: Were there any moments when you were uh, going through this situation where you thought that your life had been in jeopardy?
0: Absolutely, and like I said, and it, it all happened so so fast. You know, once I realized that I was hitting the head, and I didn't know the severity of it because my adrenaline's pumping, I'm not feeling any pain. Um, You're just
1: waiting for it, just waiting for it to
0: happen. Yeah, my my first thought was, I need to call my wife, and then my second the immediate afterthought was, No, not today. I'm getting through this. So, that's great, dude. and that warrior mindset. I mean, that that's I preach it to everybody that I train to it. You you can get through more than you think you can. You keep that mindset,
1: man. Um, how was your wife notified that you were that you were shot?
0: So funny story. Uh, my father in law is actually a deputy in the county county as well. He uh, he was coming in for an overtime detail and heard it over the radio. Um, obviously, we're, we're pretty close, and he heard what was going on over the radio. Heard that I was hit. So he went up to the hospital, made sure I was good, and then he uh come to the house and pick my wife up.
1: Did you guys have a plan in place of what to do in a traumatic incident where somebody had been shot or been injured severely? Was that part of the SOPs and they had something where they would go through a process to notify family?
0: Yeah, yeah I believe so. Um, it was a year prior to my incident, actually less than a year prior to my incident, but we actually had an officer shot and killed. Um, so I think they really stepped up their SOPs during that, but like I said, it was all happening so fast and rolling so fast that, I mean, we hardly had time to, to think cause I was going to the hospital and then our other officer was still pursuing the stolen vehicle. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was
1: a mess. All, all folks that were involved in this perpetrators, violators, criminals, these horrible, horrific human beings, in my opinion. That's not your opinion. That's my opinion. I Don't, don't voice your opinion because I know you guys are still going to trial on this. And I, they have to because I'm sure they don't have a fucking prayer of anything else. So they're going to do the best they can because they're going to get life anyway, especially in Kentucky, I'd imagine. Um, <clears throat> so everybody's been apprehended. Yep. Great. Uh, at the
0: hospital, were you conscious the whole time or did, it, did any of that change at all? Yep, conscious the whole time. I actually, uh, I got out to walk through the doors and we call roommate, roommate in our hospital is the trauma room. And I'm walking through the doors, my sergeant's standing there and I was like, Sergeant, I'm good. And he's like, get in there. I was like, I'm good. But yeah, never lost consciousness, was fine the whole time. Uh, one thing that, you know, I'll never forget when my wife walked in the room, you know, she was, she was crying and, you know, they're still trying to clean me up. And she looks at me, and I said, "Babe, I'm okay." And she's like, "No, you're not." I'm like, "Yes, yes, I am." So, yes, yeah, so it's, it's, and how she? Do you have kids? Two. Of them, yep, a fourteen year old and a seven year old, about to be eight.
1: So, tell me how your wife has been dealing with this incident, and and your the impact on your family as well, and what you have have you guys been doing anything to try to circumvent some of that stuff?
0: Uh, you know, we we talk about things anytime you know feelings pop up because. You know, she's got some pretty strong feelings about it sometimes I think she's got stronger feelings than I do but she always tells me well, that sure I, dude I, I she loves you. It, so yeah dude but, she she loves you and you're and you know what like we're all built differently I'm not an emotional
1: person when it comes to incidents I'm a fixer I'm a somebody who resolves issues quickly that's who I am um hmm. you know I've got a lot of different traits and they're unique and I can understand and try to reverse engineer the brain of somebody who is not as fortunate as I am so as your cool comic collected because you've been through a lot of stuff in your life this may be very traumatic obviously very traumatic for her so mm-hmm. you know one thing you got to do and I I who am I, I preached to the choir you've been through this already but for anybody in here is that even though it's not bothering you you've got to take into account how much it might be bothering the ones that love you and uh, i'm sure that your wife is probably worried 10 more times because she came that close to losing the man that she loves how about your kids
0: mm-hmm. I think it hit him, hit him hard. It, my older one, I think it hit harder. Um, she's my stepdaughter, but I've had her since she was a year and a half, so she's she's mine. She's your daughter, yeah. She's your daughter. Um, my son, he was, he was about five at the time, so I don't think he really grasped all what was going on. Um, I'd actually had some arm pain a couple days prior, and he's just you know just stiff or whatever, and you know wouldn't when he heard what was going on, he's like, Oh, is it because his arm was hurting the other day? And we're like, nobody, something different, but, um, but they, uh, I think it's definitely opened up their eyes more that, you know, they, every time I walk out that door, it could be the last time. So
1: yesterday we interviewed a gentleman who spoke about, uh, it's Walter Mackle. He's got Mississippi. Um, he's, uh, a great guy, six or seven kids. And, um, he said the same exact thing he said now it's a real reality people understand what i mean now more my family when i kiss them and say goodbye to them mm-hmm. um, so it's an important thing to do and you know and, and some of the things I, if you get a chance listen to that podcast some of the things he talked about were very interesting and i think a lot of you guys who've been through things like this can relate to the similar circumstances and, and the same feelings um, have you had any bouts with uh, any kind of mental wellness And I ask that you don't have to to respond to that if you don't like to, if you're uncomfortable to, but the reason I ask that is because I'm trying to prepare people to, because inevitably somebody's gonna go through this again. And if they can hear it from your mouth of what you experienced and it it provides value to them and we can save a life. We've had people talk about very, very extreme depression going through a situation like this. And people have to understand it's the brain. It's really nothing you can do to control that, but to recognize that, okay, I'm in this situation. It happened. I may begin to face something that I'm not in control of. I need to make sure I'm prepared and my agency is prepared to provide me the, the help that I need to get through this and maybe the help of my family. So can you share anything like that? Have you experienced that? If you didn't, don't feel like you have to be compelled to explain any of that, but have you gone through anything like that?
0: Uh, after it first happened, I went to therapy for for about a month. Um, it was, it was some... It was a electrotherapy or something. It was, it was different. It, it was EMDR of, is that you go to EMDR? Yeah, EMDR. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, went through that, and um, but really, I haven't had many issues with it. You know, the dreams here and there. You would think that you would replay. It. Well, me personally, I haven't replayed that scenario in my dreams. But I've had other scenarios, which I think most cops have. Of, yeah. you know, you get into an altercation and you go to pull the trigger and nothing happens. Um I, th- I think I get the one again. where I'm like fighting somebody
1: and I'm hitting them, but they're not. I can't fight like I can't hit them hard enough. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I That that happens for me. The shooting ones really never occurred, and I get a lot of PTSD from working in in jail. I mean, and, and by I mean when I say PTSD, I mean I have. If I get nightmares, they're generally jail nightmares because mm-hmm. that is that is one of the toughest environments to work in and it's uh it's ridiculous to be honest with you and not that i couldn't do it or i wasn't good at it it's just that it's it's a horrible environment to be in and it, and it takes a toll on your fucking brain you know yeah um how about your kids have you have you sought therapy for them have you speak to people make sure they're getting stuff they're getting the right help they need
0: um we've we've brought it up to them um they're they're not really feeling it too much Uh uh-huh. But as far as what they've shown me, they haven't really shown too much concern about it. Um, I think it's, I think me being the cool, calm, collected one, you know, hey, I'm here. I was blessed. Um, we'll move on with life because I've got a purpose, so I'm, I'm still here. So I think with me just kind of lessening it, I, I guess I would say. You um, strike me I I as concerned. somebody
1: who's more like me when it comes to emotions. You seem very cool, calm, and collected.
0: Yeah, that's what my wife says all the time. Like, I can listen real well, but I don't know about advice or what I can do to help you. But I'll listen. So, um, yeah, she calls me emotionless all the time. Um, I
1: don't. So, like for example, I don't. I'm not a crier, right? And there's there's a lot of things in my life that maybe, maybe it's my genetics, maybe it's my life experiences, but it doesn't mean I don't feel emotion. And I think I spoke spoke about this yesterday. However, I will find myself much more emotional after having children. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, and I try to stay away from a lot of the things in the world. You know, sometimes uh, my wife will say to me things like, oh, did you hear the story about this? And I go, listen, please, I I don't need to hear stories about this horrific thing that occurred. There's plenty of horrific things and I'm trying to live my life uh, in la-la land at times to avoid a lot of that stuff. It occurred, I, I wish I could change it all, I will do at the end of my lifetime what I can to try to have impact on this world. Sometimes you set out to have impact and don't realize the the stretch or the the impact that you're actually having, uh, how far it's going to go and the reach you're going to have. But that's where I see my life and that's where I find myself most suited. Um, you know, even taking time out today, and I've said this to a lot of people who've done this interview. There's value in it, dude. You know what I mean? People need to hear this stuff. It's not just for entertainment purposes, although there is entertainment value to it, but we don't get an opportunity or a lot of times most cops don't get the opportunity to pick somebody's brain who's been through our worst fear you mm-hmm. know um you you obviously went through it, and I think your predisposition of your brain being a cool common collected guy, I'm guessing you're probably not riddled with anxiety, a lot or depression. Mm-hmm. you're fortunate enough and i I'm similar uh to to had to experience this and also have very good disposition in your brain. Unfortunately from, I think a majority of people, uh, you and I guys like you and I are blessed, but a majority of people would not have the luxury of going through something like this without having some major, major, uh, impact mentally. And fortunately mm-hmm. enough, you didn't get any kind of brain damage that would have altered who you were because mm-hmm. we've had that. We had a guy on last week who is dealing with things that are different that he's never experienced before because of taking a, uh, took a two, two, three to the, to the, to the, to the head penetrated Mm -hmm. the skull. Crazy stuff. I mean, wild shit. Right. Let me ask you this. Um, How long did you return to work? How long after did you return back to work?
0: Uh, It was just under two months.
1: It's a fast return to work. What was, Uh, what was it like uh, going back? Yeah. What was it like going back to work? And that was, was going back to work part of the process of you actually healing in some sense.
0: It it was and uh you know, I'm not one to just sit around like my day's off, I've, I've gotta have something to do. I can't just sit. Um I, I hate being told hey, sit, relax.
1: Yeah, I, me too. I would do, we're the same. It's so funny, man. I think I think you and I are very similar people. Yeah. But
0: um, but going to work, you know, they, they they were taking their steps to, you know, make sure I had everything that I needed. Um, wanted me to slowly get back into it. Light duty, I was like, i I'm not a light duty person. Put me back on the street in the streets where I belong. And, um, uh, you know, that they, they granted my wishes. They said, Hey, we want somebody to ride with you though. Make sure you're good. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm real, real close with one of the guys that I work with. And he's like, I'm riding with you. I was like, all right. So we rode together. And, you know, obviously he would evaluate me as where my mindset was, uh, going back. And he's like, honestly, he's like, man, you're good. He's like, you got a level head. He's like, just just keep doing that and um, for a little bit of time after though you know when I did return you know because I've always been I want to get in the action I want to do as much as I can um, a little bit after I, I noticed myself being a little hesitant to you know get to get there in a hurry on those hot calls and you know I really had to uh, really had to talk myself. Hey, you got this. You know what you're doing. Get there, do your job. So, um, but it was probably about that last couple months, and then, you know, I got back to normal and you know, back to being myself mentally wise going to these calls. So,
1: you know, what I find very impressive is that you know we 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 sometimes are jaded with the things that we see on social media and what the news portrays police as and um, people who are convinced or swayed by the false narrative will let that really impact their attitude towards law enforcement. Here you are, you get shot and you're ready to get back into the game because it's a calling for you to get back into the patrol car and get back to work. And I think that speaks uh, volumes of your character and, and an impressive attitude, even when it may feel like society is against you, which they're, they're very much not. Um, there's morons sprinkled in any any society. Uh, you, you just pick back up and get back on the thing. The last question I have for you is, is there any advice or any kind of blessing that came out of this? I think we kind of touched on some things before, but that you could give to police officers who may go through some kind of situation like this. How could you avoid it? Was there anything you could have done better and what to expect or things that helped you get through this difficult time?
0: I think my biggest thing is, you know, we're all trained. We see what's on on the news and you know, we all know that there's a possibility, but you know, sometimes you get in the mindset like, "No, nah, that, that don't happen in my town. That's not going to happen to me." Um, realize that. I mean, it could happen to anyone, anywhere. Uh, n- never, never lose the mindset of you know, going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home. I mean, you always got to be on your toes because, like I said, I mean, it can happen to anybody, anywhere. Uh, and don't don't take things for granted. You know, I. I'd spent a lot of time out working on cars, doing my hobbies, and um kind of opens up your eyes. Hey, you know, if you got a family, they they need your time too, because you never know. So make sure you're giving your family the time that they deserve and they need, because they, they do love you and they want you around. And you know, in this profession, you never know how long you're gonna be around. Um, as far as anything I could have done better, I mean I honestly don't know. There's there's things that I wish would have went different. But at the end of the day, you know, I felt like I had my guardian angel. I was put in the right position to walk away with what I walked away with. Um, But keep that warrior mindset. I mean, you you can make it through more than you may think. You keep that mindset that you're going to make it. Um, You know, we got a saying here now with our little group that we got, you know, not today.
1: Mm. not going to be you. Not today. Not today. Brother, I don't know how to thank you enough for what you did for everybody that day and don't ever think that it's not appreciated because it sure is because what people don't realize is like those people would have moved on to the next crime had you not intervened and there could have been way more victims so your sacrifice um don't ever let it downplay in your mind because you didn't get injured enough or Dude, you did something that was, uh, you know, it was your calling. It was your purpose. And we all genuinely appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on to this. And are you coming to the conference? Absolutely. All right, man. We'll hang out there a little bit. We'll shoot the shit. I'm excited to have you there, dude. Thank you for accepting our award for you, uh, you know, and uh, be honored to have you there. And we're excited to get you up on the stage and present it to you. So um, we have a big turn. Now It'll be awesome. Check out streetcop.com and our Facebook group for more stuff on this. And we also have an Instagram as well. Jeremy, it's a pleasure meeting you, brother. Thank you so much. You as well. Thanks for having me. All right. Be safe, dude. I'll talk to you.
0: Yes, sir. You too.